All right, so today we're going to continue with uh, with Saul, where we, we we last time we were together with Saul, uh, we talked about how Saul told or God told Samuel, Saul is the king. Israel had begged for a king. God warned them, you don't want one. This is what's going to happen. They said, we want one anyway. So the last part of it was God was uh, Saul showing up where Samuel was to do the sacrifice. God telling Samuel that Saul is the first king of Israel. So we're going to pick up right there again in 1 Samuel 9, 18. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, tell me, I pray thee, where the seer's house is. And Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me unto the high place, for ye shall eat with me today. And tomorrow I will let thee go and will tell thee all that is in thine heart. And as for thine asses that were lost three days ago, set not thy mind on them, for they are found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee and on all thy father's house? And Saul answered and said, Am not I a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Wherefore then speakest thou so to me? So, first thing I want to do is Samuel says, I'm a, yes, I'm the seer. Again, they're using seer here in a totally different context than what we use it in today. So the context there, the, 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 the definition there is a person credited with extraordinary moral and spiritual insight. So the people who talked with God were called seers, not prophets yet. So that's why this is so right here. It's not seer as in a crystal ball gaze, or this is seer as in a previous term used for prophets before the prophet became the popular word. All right, so Saul has no idea who Samuel is here. So he says, sir, do you know who this seer is? And Samuel goes, well, yeah, it's me. You know, now we sit back and we think, well, why didn't he know who Samuel was? Samuel was a, a great man. He was a, the last judge of Israel. He was old. He's, a, he's had a very long um, life. He's he served all of Israel. He's done all of the sacrifices in high places. Why doesn't um, Saul recognize who Samuel is? Well, first of all, you know, they didn't have uh, internet back then, so not everybody was instantly recognizable to all the world. And secondly, Samuel probably wasn't quite dressed as the high priest yet, so to Saul, uh, he just assumed he, he saw him out of office, out of place, so he just didn't recognize who Samuel was. So Samuel identifies himself as the prophet and tells Saul, something only the prophet of God could truthfully tell him, that the donkeys were found and safe, which was the whole reason why Saul was out and about right now. As anyway, he was out looking for the donkeys of his father. He was given this task. So Samuel says, you have no worries, all is well. So stay here with me today and eat with me, and I will tell you all and let you go back tomorrow. And Saul, who has heard all the Israelites talking of a king and how they've asked uh, Samuel to ask God to give them a king, and Samuel says they're going to give them a king. Saul knows this. So when um, when when Samuel says, "Is not are are you not the person that all of Israel is asking about? Are you not the uh, on whom all the desire of Israel is? Meaning, aren't you, Saul? You're the answer to what the the main question throughout the kingdom is right now. And Saul, uh, being a, a man who's not well known, not even suggesting uh, he has any greatness. He says, well, am I not of the smallest family, of the smallest tribe, of the smallest of the nation of Israel? I mean, it's amazing the the, the humility he shows. Um, so he denies and he says, no, no, no. Uh, but he doesn't see himself 
as others see him, which is amazing because none of us ever see ourselves as other people see us. I mean, none of us, uh, whether for good or bad, we we always see ourselves differently than those around us see us. So we either see ourselves as unworthy or more special, but we never see ourselves exactly as other people see us. And I think that's always interesting in the perspective, like right here. Um, Saul says, why are you even considering me when God has chosen him to be the king? Um, it never occurred to him. So uh, 1 Samuel 9.22, And Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the parlor and made them sit in the chiefest place among them that were bidden, which were about 30 persons. And Samuel said unto the cook, Bring the portion which I gave thee, of which I said unto thee, set it by thee. And the cook took up the shoulder and that which was upon it and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, Behold, that which is left, set it before thee, and eat. For unto this time hath it been kept for thee, since I said, I have invited the people. So Saul did eat with Samuel that day. And when they were come down from the high place into the city, Samuel communed with Saul upon the top of the house. So Samuel here is taking his replacement. Now, this is, can, cannot be stressed enough. Saul is Samuel's replacement. This is very interesting. So Saul, or Samuel is taking his replacement and putting him in a place of honor. God has chosen Saul to be the king, whereas Samuel had set his sons up to be judges. Now, Samuel has to tell his sons, they're not going to be the judges of the kingdom. They're not going to be this. They're not going to be that. That God has another plan in place, and all of their plans are for naught because what God wants is more important. And then Samuel has to sit here and do this with Saul, and, it, and he's being very gracious about it, which is fascinating. So, I mean, no, no matter how he personally felt about this, Samuel is doing the right thing. We know he served God faithfully, honestly, and fully, as he does here, by treating Saul, the chosen of God, with the utmost respect, regardless of what he personally thought or set up. He's doing God's will, no matter what he thinks. Fascinating. So he had Saul sit in the chief place. He had food the best set aside for him, and he had the great prophet and judge Samuel to eat with. All of the highest honors Samuel bestowed on Saul, reverence and respect, giving to the man God had chosen. Samuel put Saul in the place of preeminence, gave him the best food, sat beside him, ate with him, talked with him. He did everything to put this guy at the top of the, of the pedestal. And this is his replacement. So when they were done with the sacrifice and the prophet duties, they went and talked. Um, Saul, since Samuel spent the night communing, talking, resting, getting ready to go the next day. Um, but it doesn't give us what they talked about. So let's go on to 1 Samuel 9, 26. And they arose early and it came to pass about the spring of the day that Samuel called Saul to the top of the house saying, up that I may send thee away. And Saul arose, and they went out, both of them, he and Samuel, abroad. And as they were going down to the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Bid the servant pass on before us. And he passed on, But stand thou a while, that I may show thee the word of God. So Samuel called Saul, said, Hey, it's time to get up. Come on up here. Let's chat. And as they're up there, he says, Send your servants on. We're going to talk privately with no ears around us for the moment. Which is interesting why... 
it's privately like that. It comes it comes out a little bit later why it's privately, but still, uh, they're, so now they're alone. They're speaking privately. And in 1 Samuel 10, 1, then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed it and said, is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? Samuel has anointed Saul, king over all Israel, yet he has done it when no one is around and in private. So Saul is going to be the king, but Samuel's keeping it just between them for the moment. It's interesting. So another little factoid, and this is something in Exodus, I believe it's either 28 or 30. Another little factoid is that the oil the priests and the prophets used was to be used for God and God alone. He laid out a specific recipe for this oil. He laid out a specific usages for this oil. This oil is dedicated to him and him alone. It's not to be used for anything else. In fact, if anybody makes it for themselves and uses it for anything other than what God has set aside here, those people are to be cast out of Israel and be treated as outcasts. God's a jealous God. He wants his perfumes. He wants his oils. He wants his sacrifice. God wants what's his. He's a jealous God. There's lessons in that. We'll do that another day, though. So now the interesting thing is that the oil is not to be poured out upon the flesh. It is That's why it's poured out on the head so that it doesn't get poured onto the flesh. It's fascinating. Um, it's, it's Exodus 30, 32. Upon man's flesh shall it not be poured. Neither shall you make any other like it after the composition of it. It is holy and it shall be holy unto you. This, this whole little factoid here, it's not really relevant, but I think it's important to point out that God has a jealousness for his people, for his things. He wants what's his and he doesn't like to share. And this is important to know about the personality of God. Um. So we'll, we'll get into that another time, but it, it's, it's, it's Exodus 30 is very fascinating because it tells you exactly who God is and how he wants stuff dedicated, set aside for him, period. All right, so uh, let's go back to Saul. All right, Saul is now anointed king, but it is not yet a recognized station. Samuel and Saul have done it up in the, up, up, up in the uh, rooftop and they've done it quietly with just them two around. God is going to do this coronation in spectacular fashion um, where there's no denying it can't be done, but they're not ready for it to be done just yet. So 1 Samuel 10, 2, uh, Samuel is talking to Saul. When thou art departed from me today, then thou shalt find two men by Rachel's sepulcher in the border of Benjamin at Zelzah. And they will say unto thee, The asses which thou wentest to seek are found. And lo, thy father hath left the care of the asses and sorroweth for you, saying... What shall I do for my son? Then shalt thou go on forward from thence, and thou shalt come to the plain of Tabor, and there shall meet, and there shall meet thee three men going up to God to Bethel, one carrying three kids, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a bottle of wine. And they will salute thee, and give thee two loaves of bread, which thou shalt receive of their hands. And that shall come to and after that thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines. And it shall come to pass, when thou art come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place, with a psaltery and a tabret and a pipe and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shalt be turned into another man. 
And let it be when these signs are come unto thee, that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto thee to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shalt thou tarry till I come to thee and show thee what thou shalt do. And it was so that when he turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day. So Samuel, in talking to Saul, lays out a full day, and he gives a lot of specific incidents and items so that Saul will believe that everything that just transpired, the anointing, everything, is truth. It's not a joke. Because here, even if one of these fa things fails to come to pass, Saul's going to lose all faith in every bit of it. So Samuel was very explicit. He was very direct. He was very detailed. And Saul was given all of this, told all of this in advance, so that he would know that the anointing of oil on his head was not a joke. It was not a prank. He is indeed anointed king of Israel. And God did not fail in one little aspect of anything he told Saul. It's amazing. So all these signs came to pass on this day, and Saul was a changed man. God called him. God changed him. It's funny how that works. When God reaches into your heart and mind, you are a changed person. All right, so we're going to go on to 1 Samuel 10.10. 10. Uh, all right, so we're jumping to where he's going to the prophets. And when they came thither, thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it came to pass, when all that knew him before time saw that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets. Then the people said one to another, What is this that is come unto the son of Kish? Is saw also among the prophets. And one of the same place answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? And when he had made an end of prophesying, he came to the high place. So often when we get talking about Saul, we focus only on the latter years when he's king, he's bitter, he's killing, trying to kill David, chasing David down. But here at the very beginning, we see, uh, we see that God was in Saul's life. His hand was on God. He was the anointed one. He was the king. God gave the land of Israel. He had a relationship with Samuel, and God was a big part of this. We often forget that part because we always focus on just the bitter man to get to David. There is so much in the life of Saul that we overlook sometimes. So, so often we forget this. We go straight to the older Saul who is mean, bitter, and angry. Not so. It took a lot. It, it took a bit to get there. Not a lot. A bit to get there. So the prophets came. The Spirit of God came upon Saul, and he started prophesying. He was an instrument of God indeed, and this was proven. He prophesied among the prophets there. There can be no fraud in the midst of the experts. The prophets knew him and said that he was a prophet as they were. Saul has the spirit. God is with him. The spirit of God came upon Saul. He is not a prophet. Samuel said it was going to happen. There was a group of prophets that saw it, and these guys were experts. They would know if it was an act or not. It was not. All the signs are there. Saul is the anointed king of Israel. All right, 1 Samuel 10, 14. And Saul's uncle said unto him and to his servant, Whither went ye? And he said, To seek the asses. And when we saw that they were nowhere, we, we came to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, Tell me, I pray thee, what Samuel said unto you. And Saul said unto him, 
uh, said unto his uncle, he told us plainly that these asses were found, but of the matter of the kingdom whereof Samuel spake, he told him not. Saul just prophesied openly. He has been anointed king. He saw his entire day fall out exactly the way it was laid out and verbally by Samuel, but yet he does not share the part about the kingdom with his uncle. I don't know the family dynamic at work or why he was quiet about this, but I find it absolutely fascinating. Saul prophesied. Saul had things come to pass exactly like God said they would, even though they were hours apart. I mean, details that just could not have been made up. And Saul still either doesn't believe, doesn't want to believe, or is just flat fighting it because I, I, I don't have an answer because I, he, I don't know what's going on through Saul's mind. And it's fascinating. So Samuel called the people together unto the Lord at Mizpah and said unto the children of Israel, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt and delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all kingdoms and of them that oppressed you. And ye have this day rejected your God who himself saved you out of all your adversities and your tribulations. And you have said unto him, nay, but set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before, before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was taken. And when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was taken, and Saul, the son of Kish, was taken. And when they sought him, he could not be found. So now they're going through the, the, the process where they're ruling out, okay, like, like with the lots with uh, Achan, where they found out who had sinned in the battle to, to cause the loss in the battle of Ai. They're doing the same thing here. They're saying, Lord, is this the one? And God's saying, this group, and then this group, and then this group. So they're going down. They're doing this all by the book, straight down the board. It's already a predetermined answer, but they got to make the people of Israel show that God has spoken and what he has said. So they're doing this. And when they went to find Saul to make it public that he is king, Saul is nowhere to be found. <laughs> he is gone. Now, this is interesting. I mean, this part really cracked me up. Uh, so we're going to 1 Samuel 10, 22. This really cracked me up. Therefore, they inquired of the Lord further, if the man should yet come thither. And the Lord answered, behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. So they're talking to God saying, Lord, you, you, we, we worked all the way down, attrition through to who you want. We're down to Saul, the son of Kish. Are you sure you want him to come forward? And God says, yes, I do. He's hiding in the coat closet. Saul... So <laughs> Knows he's going to be king, and he's hiding among the stuff so that he's trying, so that they can't find him and put him up, up on this throne. Samuel setting things up through all this process that they might be illegitimate, and had just now they decided for the lots have chosen a time-honored way among Israel to ascertain the will of God by casting lots. Yet he doesn't mention all that had come before either. So they're going through the process, the anointing, the eating together, the prophesying. None of this got mentioned. Yet it got recorded for posterity that it was figured out beforehand. So while all of this is going on, Saul's hiding amongst the stuff. So they ran and fetched him thence. And when he stood among the people, he was higher than any of the people from his shoulders and upward. And Samuel said to all the people, See ye whom the Lord hath chosen, 
that there is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted and said, God save the king. Then Samuel told the people the manner of the kingdom and wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. And Saul also went home to Gibeah, and there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. But there's always a but in these things, isn't it? All right, so we'll get to the but in just a minute. So Saul was hiding in the coat closet. He was forestalling his fate, hoping they forgot him out of sight, out of mind, as it were. All right, so we're wrapping up the coronation. We, we saw has been saw has been chosen. He's hiding, trying to run away from it. Uh, Samuel's being secretive, even though he'd already done it. He still went through all the details. Had Samuel just stood up and said, "Hey, <coughs> Saul's the guy you chose," um, I think the people would have said, "When when trouble came, well, we didn't chose him. God appointed him. So at least this way, they got to see and say that they were there when God chose and they appointed. And they saw him work through everybody, so that you know the people can't really complain too much." Well, which they did anyway. So verse 1027. But the children of Belial said, how shall this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no presents, but he held his peace. So the children of Belial, the naysayers, the negatives, the, the ones who are just there to cut anybody down, no matter what they do, they're everywhere nowadays. How shall this man save us? And they despised him. And brought him no presence. They despised him merely because they couldn't see what God saw. They couldn't accept what God said because he wasn't what they expected. Okay, so what did Saul do? He held his peace. That was it. He just held his peace and he moved on. It's interesting. Um, all right, so... Let's go back to 1024. Oh, no. Yeah, let's go back to 1024. And Samuel said to all the people, See ye him who the Lord hath chosen. There is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted and said, God save the king. Then Samuel told the people the manner of the kingdom and wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away every man to his house. See, so all the people standing there said, this is who God has chosen. And our Samuel said, this is who God has chosen. All the people said, God save the king. All the people accepted it, except for some of the uh, sons of Belial. We always have those naysayers. We always have those who it's not quite their way, so it's wrong. Well, we got it here too, way back even in Saul's day. So to wrap all this up, Saul is king, Samuel is done as the judge of Israel, and the sons of Belial are not happy. All is as it always is. Life goes on. Whether we are happy, whether we are ready to retire, whether we are ready or not, life goes on, God moves, people complain, lather, rinse, repeat. It's amazing how people have not changed from the time of Saul being anointed, or, uh, being anointed king before all of Israel to today. Saul is running from his responsibility. Well, okay. You got the man of God just going through doing what he was told. You got Saul running away. And then you got the sons of Belial going, don't know what he's going to do. It's just not good enough. It, it's just, it's amazing when you read the Old Testament that everything is exactly the same now as it was then. 
People do not change. Anyway, so we're going to end it there. And next time we'll come back and we will talk about the beginning of the end for Saul. Okay. All right. Have a great day.